Sun and Fun Radio, broadcasting on 1510 AM Lakeland, and also coming to you live on the internet at liveatc.net slash SNF. Somebody's phone is interfering with the mics this morning. And yeah, thanks, Ron. Ron comes over and grabs a phone and takes it away from the desk. You guys with your iPhone. Jeb, why does your droid not do that? Because it's modern technology. There we go. <laughs> I am turning the control of the deck. Over to the voices in your head, Jack, Jeb, Dave, from the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast. You control the deck for the next hour and a half. We, we Take it away, guys, for Uncontrolled Airspace. Thank you, David, and uh, thank you, uh, Sun and Fun Radio, for having us here this week. Uh, it's been a terrific week. Um, without further ado, let me say welcome, folks, to Episode 181, a very special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We are uh, recording this episode uh, uh, live on location this morning from the Sun and Fun Fly-In in Lakeland, Florida. It's Sunday morning, April 18, 2010. Uh, it is, as so many people know, the birthday of a great American, but we'll come back to that later on. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and as I said, we're on location at the Sun and Fun Fly-In. Uh, we're just going to have a uh, – we've had a good old time all week long, and uh, we're going to try and wrap it up this morning and, and kind of uh, uh, describe what the week's been like and talk about some of the highlights and maybe some of the lowlights. There weren't any lowlights, really, but there were some – Exciting moments and uh, no low lights and so far no low lives. Yeah. So yeah. so uh, it's been a good week. We're going to be joined by some other friends, but of course uh, my very very good friends uh, and hangar mates. Dave Higdon is here. Hi, Dave. Good morning, Jack, Jeb, Dave, Sun and Fun, and whoever's listening to the stream on liveatc.net/snf. Yeah. And uh, Jeb Burnside is here. Hi, yes. Jeb. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. good. Oh, and, uh, happy to be here again. Yep. Yeah. And uh, thank Dave for that, that great introduction. Also, that was above. That was very nice. Yeah, very yeah. nice. And I'm Jack Hodgson. And like I said, we're going to be joined some, by some other friends throughout the morning, uh, and uh, see how we can do about wrapping this thing up uh, for another year. Uh, it's been a fun year. It's been a good year uh, until this morning. The weather has been pretty flawless. Uh, it's it's a little breezy early on, but yep. yeah, it's it, it's typical spring in Florida. Um, if you don't like the weather, wait 15 minutes and yeah. it'll change. Um, yeah, the the this is the worst day of the week, uh, and, and this is still pretty good. you got uh, a relatively high overcast, good VFR underneath it. Don't know what's north or south of here, so if you're listening to my voice and you're trying to bug out in an airplane and you're VFR only, uh, pay real close attention to the weather. 
Yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it's overcast. I don't know what the clouds, what the what the uh, bases are here, but uh, I, I, I tried. I can't touch them, so they're higher them. than yeah. so it's VFR, right? That's the that's your rule. <laughs> yeah, a frightening prospect. But uh, there were some departures earlier. Uh, I I would guess arrivals today are going to be pretty slim, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, people cranking up and packing up and, and uh, shuffling on out. So. Yeah, I saw a couple of people ringing out their tents this morning. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, we were talking about Dave's method of determining if it's VFR. What's that classic song? Forgive me if I touch this guy? No, it's excuse me if I touch this guy. Excuse me if I touch this guy. Excuse me while I touch this guy. That's, That's right. So, By another great American. Another great American, whose birthday probably isn't today. Yeah. So uh, let's see now. Uh, uh, in no particular order, uh, a lot of things have happened this week. Um, we, early on in the week, we became fascinated by an ultralight that we saw down at Paradise City called Lucky Stars, uh, and uh, and we were kind of ragging on it early in the week. But then we finally started to get reports of people who were witnessing it fly, and positive reports, good reports. And then Dave, you finally did get a chance to actually see it fly. Uh, we talked about it a little bit on the daily last night, but tell us a little bit more about what you saw. Oh. Uh, well- Watched it fly uh, multiple circuits around the Paradise City pattern and in and out of the runway uh, uh, Saturday morning, and the uh, the uh, structures in in the way the airplane moved when tied down in what admittedly was some really stiff and gusty winds a few days ago uh, made me wonder how it would load up. And in watching it fly yesterday, when it's loaded up, it's like some of the old hang gliders that I used to fly, where the bottom wires were slack when it was on the ground. And everything tightens up, gets rigid, didn't see any flex, any any wobble in it. Uh, gentleman seemed to have, uh, I understand his name's Mark, uh, I believe he's from Texas. He really excellent control of the airplane. Uh, the uh, seating position that Jack had tried to describe, though, is it's much more like Jack envisioned it than like I did when it's sitting on the tail on the ground and it makes the seat look positively supine. I thought, well, when the nose comes down, it's going to be more upright. It's barely more upright. Supine. Yeah, you did that again, huh? Yeah. I know. Yeah, I'm it's impressed. Supine. It's a tree from Arkansas. I see. I see. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I wish I had gotten a chance to see it fly, and I'm not sure if I'm going to now. Probably because, not uh, today. But um, it, it's never not outside the realm of possibility. Well, the other problem is that I won't get a chance to get over there till around noontime, and they'll right. stop flying by then, and I'm not sure if I'm going to make it to the end of the day here, so uh, I, I may have to just rely on I hope on that's not a health forecast. Eyewitness reports. Jeb, uh, you you had to actually had to sneak away uh, to uh, take care of real world stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. But you were here. You've been here for a few days throughout the week. Uh, yeah. uh, what what has grabbed your attention? Anything in particular? Any airplanes that uh, jumped out at you here? Well, yes and no. Um, I guess what I, I has grabbed my attention most has just been the, the continuing evolution. Um, spent some time yesterday, quality time yesterday, in uh, the LSA mall. And uh, looking at a couple of the aircraft over there, um, uh, just I'm, I'm continually impressed by uh, uh, the innovation and the uh, uh, the capabilities of, of some of these new um, new manufacturer LSAs. Um, the, the equipment is uh, um, I don't know. Uh, you have a lot of choices in the equipment. You have a lot of uh, of um, uh, things in in uh, some of these airplanes that you know even I don't have in my my certificated airplane. Um, you have uh, um, in, innovative designs, um, uh, just just a very interesting um, uh, market niche for yeah. for uh, anyone considering buying an airplane. 
the Thunderbirds were great, uh, noisy. Uh, always, always a pleasure to see uh, mm-hmm. uh, people converting tax dollars into noise. Yep. yep. Um, and um, uh, things like that. But again, you know, the one of the main reasons, or perhaps the main reason, I, I come to shows like this. Uh, is the people? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the sights and the sounds are, are part of that, <clears throat> but the, the people and uh, watching the crowds and, and watching everyone's uh, enjoyment and love of aviation—that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. one of the reasons I'm here, and it's, it's rejuvenating in a you, sense. You do though. There are some routine bargains I think that you go for. You bought some oil. You always buy oil. It seems. I did not buy oil this year. Oh. Actually, I bought oil at uh, Sebring earlier this year. Okay. I found a great deal where I didn't have to worry about schlepping it to the car. Um, and uh, it was it was shipped to me. Um, I've done some other uh, shopping. Some of the tool vendors here I always like to hit. Uh, uh, they just have some interesting things, and uh, it's always good. You, you can never have too many tools, uh, <laughs> as far as, as far as I'm concerned. And and some would say I have too many of a lot of things, but uh, tools uh, isn't one of them, as far as I'm and, concerned. And, and we sometimes say you don't have enough of some other things, but well, we won't go there. We won't go there. Not on the radio. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a private conversation, and you know I don't want to hurt you here in public. So, but uh, I got a couple of other things I need to do today. I need to update my 396, for example, mm-hmm. do the database update, and. Uh, you're okay. We hear you. Are you sure? Yeah, it's your okay. headphones, I think. Oh, okay. Might be. Um, get the database updated and uh, a couple of other areas, maybe a couple of oil test kits and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. David, any other uh, notable airplanes you've seen here this week? Well, I, uh, I feel just slightly underprepared to mental curve this morning, but I saw a couple of new LSAs that are all USA built here, uh-huh. uh, which kind of answers some of the uh, the. the uh, uh, unwarranted uh, discussion I've heard from some of my older aviator friends mm-hmm. uh, that you can't buy anything made here in the states. Well, that's not, that w- that wasn't true before Sun and Fun. It's even less right. true today. Right. Um, the and, and I mentioned the Bush Caddy on the on the mini sode yesterday, seventy nine nine ready to fly. Right. Great big beefy high wing with a seven hundred pound. Uh, they're just. Like Jeb said, the, the the variety, the innovation, the inventiveness and creativity of the folks here uh, saw more new widgets and gadgets here this year than I've seen in a long time. Uh, we talked earlier about the electronic flight bag solutions and uh, ADSB uh, solutions, portable ones even. And uh, uh, you know, this is this market seems to have a lot of vitality. In talking to the, some some vendors, one of the things that I'm going away with is a feeling that the slump that we've been struggling through the last couple of years. Uh, no longer on a downhill slide that we're we, right. we've we've plateaued at the low end and everybody chevers on is starting to say things are trickling back up and that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. We, we talked earlier in the week also about the optimism that we thought we saw here and and I think it's been consistent throughout the week. Now I have to confess I wasn't here all week, but uh, um, definitely both the vendors and the attendees I think are are, are tired of what has been the status quo in this industry for the last year or so. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're really looking uh, for this to start picking up. And whether it will, by, by in fact, or whether it will uh, uh, by sheer force of will, uh, I think it will. And some of the uh, vendors of some of the more major equipment, I mean, stuff that you don't show up, swipe the plastic and drop it in one of the uh, giveaway bags, uh, people are selling airplanes here. 
Yeah, yeah. LSAs, GA airplanes, uh, I heard ultralights. Uh, there, there's business going on here, yeah. that, and people are starting to uh, uh, let go of the funds that they've been afraid to spend the last couple yeah. of years. I heard, and this is an unconfirmed, well, it's not quite a rumor, but it's unconfirmed, but I, I overheard a conversation uh, when we were at the, in the Piper tent at a, at a social thing a couple nights ago that uh, you know, they, they sort of formally introduced the Piper Sport this week, and they've been started delivering, actually delivering, Keys, and they uh, unconfirmed. But what I overheard was that they are pleasantly surprised at how many airplanes they sold this week. Uh, it's not me, folks. I guarantee it. I turned it off and sent it away. I don't even know whether it's in the same county anymore. I'm not sure if the folks at home can hear these telephones interfering. But, uh, anyways, David's playing with his phone right now. Um, so uh, we're joined by the first of our friends here up on the uh, Sun and Fun Radio uh, deck. Uh, David, this gentleman is a is a, a good friend of yours. Why don't you introduce us? Uh, Jamie Beckett. We've known Jamie here for many many years. Uh, uh, pilot, flight instructor, accomplished novelist, uh, and because of some writing that he did, he. Uh, was uh, uh, invited to an unexpected opportunity, ran for a seat on the Winter Haven City Commission, and is now the pilot on the Winter Haven City Commission, and is starting to bring some new ideas and, and, and exposure to their airports people about things that can be done with Gilbert. And uh, he wants to talk to us a little bit about how pilots can and should so, get involved in their local politics. So this, I'm sorry, this sounds like one of those things that falls into the category of who did you piss off. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, no doubt, absolutely. As Dave said, I, we've known each other maybe 20 years because of our affiliation with Sun and Fun, but... Because I'm a professional writer as well as a CFI, I lost the ability to shut up a long, long time ago. <laughs> I resemble that remark. And I did write an editorial for our local air paper about uh, our newspaper about the waste out at the airport. About we've been making investment, but it wasn't thoughtful investment. Uh-huh. It was just throwing money out there because somebody had matching funds, and and it continued to irritate the pilot community. And I will say, Winter Haven's Gilbert Field has a very active pilots association, great EAA chapter, terrific bunch of people. Uh, it's always a busy airport, uh, you know, not just during sun and fun flying season. Yeah, actually it is. It's, it's probably best known as the home of Jack Brown's seaplane base. Okay, yep. It is an absolutely terrific, uncontrolled field. But ironically, even though we're only 14 miles away from where we sit right now at Show Central at Sun and Fun, We've never sent in our airport manager to Sun and Fun. We've never sent a mayor or a commissioner or a city manager to Sun and Fun. They're completely oblivious to what GA really is all about. So this has been a great Sun and Fun for me because I got the opportunity to escort our city manager through the place, spent an entire day, and it really opened his eyes, and he found out this is a family endeavor. This isn't what he thought at all. Yeah, I was going to ask. So that's one example. What other lessons did do you think he's taking away from this place? The, maybe the biggest thing was the misconception that pilots are rich people who require high-end amenities all the time. Uh-huh, okay. He was this row right here where the QBs and the 99s are. He was very impressed at the number of people and the vitality here in very simple wood frame buildings that are, frankly, portable. You can pick them up and move them if you need to, which just exploded his view that you needed millions of dollars in infrastructure to attract a pilot community which isn't the case at all, as we know, but they really have... Mm-hmm. You know, the irony is it's not apathy on the part of government. It's a misplaced sense of confidence that they understand their market when they don't. 
and a lot of it that's a lot uh, a lot of that's true i should say um a lot of it's just in lack of information oh without a doubt without a doubt and that's what frustrated the pilot community in winter haven so much that, that we have people with real ability real standing in the community people like john brown who's a real authority nationwide Yet we had never taken any advice. We had never solicited advice. We had never gone down to get input from these people. And because of that editorial I wrote, the pilots thought, hey, there's hundreds of us, and we have friends and family, and we vote. Maybe we should run somebody. That guy looks dumb enough to do it. <laughs> hey, let's, let's choose Mikey. Yeah. So um, has has your work and activities in Winter Haven been going on long enough that you are seeing some positive effects here? Without a doubt, because so many of the things you can do to really enhance the viability of GA, it's just attitude. It's not investment. For instance, we've always had, because we're only 14 miles away, like Fond du Lac up at Oshkosh, we've always had a huge influx of transient traffic. But we've never allowed camping. Well, that's just a decision. You say, yes, we'll do that. And we brought in some portable showers. It's the first year, so it hasn't been a huge hit. But as people start to realize that's a viable option, that'll expand our business there. People start staying in town, eating in your restaurant, shopping in your stores, and, and most of all, going away from the experience as part of our marketing arm, saying, I was well served. They took good care of me. I enjoyed myself. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you know, moving forward, not just during this one week out of the year, but if uh, uh, airports allowed camping and did it year round, uh, they would see that much more traffic because there's a lot of people out there who are, are you know taking the, the the slow road, the low and the slow road sometimes with their airplanes. They don't want to spend the money for a hotel. They just, they're really well, into well, it for the camping. That's part of the experience that they're trying to 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 give themselves on their trip. Well, know? exactly. Absolutely true, and, you know, one of the great things of bringing a total neophyte here was our city manager had no idea that there are $20 million aircraft here, but there are $20,000 aircraft, too, which are sometimes owned in a partnership. Right, right. This is not as expensive as you think it is, or it doesn't have to be. That's right. That's something that we preach with some regularity on uncontrolled airspace, that there are ways into aviation that... Don't involve starting with a large fortune and turning it into a small one. That's right. Uh, from getting your pilot's license to owning your own airplane. Well, I got to admit, my, uh, ten, my I have three children who I'm intensely proud of, but the older two have no interest in flying. They've got their own lives. But my ten-year-old last year decided she wanted to learn to fly. And Phenomenal. as a CFI, I was perfectly comfortable with that. My wife was happy. She's 11 years old now, and she's worked a deal with some pilots at the local airport. She washes their airplane, and then they go out for a lesson. That's great. She's just having a terrific time, but she's building up a logbook. And the people I interact with at City Hall had no idea that a 10-year-old can make that decision and with parental support can go ahead and do that safely. And as I've said a lot of times, and, and I've written it and I believe it, aviation is not only the best anti-drug program in America today, it's the best way to show kids why math and science is cool. It's okay to know algebra. 
because it actually has a function. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. You can do something with those skills. Yeah. It's begun to rain here at uh, Lakeland Airport. Uh, it'll probably pass pretty quickly, as these showers often do, but everyone's scurrying under cover oh, around here. I like uh, that. For us, for example, be careful. You're getting dripped on behind you there. And uh, I'm a drip-dry uh, guy. I'll be all right. Jeb, what the world are you doing? I, I was trying to check my bag make sure that it was out oh, of the rain okay. and it's there under shelter, so it's good. There you go. Yeah, but, okay. Well, one thing I'd like to uh, just kind of mention or, or expand upon, uh, talking about, you know, uh, the $20,000 uh, partnership uh, airplane. Um, I, I may have mentioned some of this uh, earlier in the week, but um, I have a, a friend, a neighbor, uh, living in the airport where I live in Sarasota. Uh, she just bought um, last week, or I should say this week, this past week, a uh, uh, an older 172. It was an estate sale. The airplane hadn't flown in a couple of years, but it needs a few things, but it's not a big deal. $5,000 outright per airplane. Can't beat that. Uh, $800 for insurance, for a year's worth of insurance. Um, probably another $1,000 in, in tires, tubes, and you know, spark plugs and things like that that, it, that we know it needs. A couple of air filters, a couple of oil filters in the bargain, things like this. We'll get the thing uh, flying here in a couple of three weeks. And uh, boom, you got a you got a running sweet little airplane for you know under under eight grand. And I, there's there's a lot of deals out there. You have to look for them. You have to be ready to bu- to pull the trigger on them. A but, lot of it's uh, up to the individual's there. creativity. Absolutely. Exactly. I I ran into an air show performer several months ago who was telling me he met somebody from Punta Gorda, down on the west coast of Florida, who's in a 12-way partnership on a champ. Which means it's about three thousand yeah. dollars to buy in, and you pay hangar rent once a year. Now, considering most people fly less than a hundred hours a year, that's a great deal. Yeah. It's very affordable all the way around, and as most partnerships, there's a CFI involved, there's an AMP involved. You're in good shape. Yeah, huh? yeah. The rain is continuing here. Everybody's scurrying. Uh, Dave Shellbetter has brought an umbrella over to protect it's Dave Higgins. Suddenly, yeah. showers and fun. Yeah. But, oh, and then as I speak, it's starting to, to uh, slow down a little bit. Somebody just took a picture of the flash, scared me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay, uh, Jamie, what, uh, what, what other kind of progressive for the airport uh, uh, endeavors are, are, are underway over there? Well, one of the most satisfying things I do all year is getting together with Boy Scouts to help with their aviation merit badge. I talked about aviation as an anti-drug program and an education program. But most people aren't aware, because of all the barbed wire and the no trespassing signs, you can just go to your airport. It's a municipally owned property. So we've been doing more and more to try and get Boy Scouts and youth groups involved out at the airport where Uh they can actually come out and interact with pilots and airplanes and realize, hey, even if I don't have the money, even if I don't want to fly, I can come out here, grab a soda or a coffee, have a sandwich, watch the airplanes, make friends with people. Over time... This airport really should become a bigger part of our economic life in town. And I will say, it's probably true everywhere, but definitely in Florida. In 2004, we had three hurricanes where the eye came within about 20 miles of here where we stand now. This airport, Lakeland Linder, became a staging area for emergency support, bringing in electronic supplies. Your airport, in a place where you can't have disasters like we can, the airport is the best for emergency ingress, egress for not just people, but also emergency supplies. So I really do believe it's your best insurance policy. And to be able to have standing in the community now and say that out loud at public meetings, it is starting to have an impact. So what would you advise pilots back home who uh, find themselves 
with airport management or city management that maybe doesn't really understand. Uh, what would you encourage them to do? I, I'd honestly say be persistent. Go to your city meetings periodically or your county meetings. You don't have to go every time, but show up now and again with a specific request or observation. Invite those officials out for a Young Eagles Day. Let them see what aviation really is. And when election time is rolling around, if your airport's not going the way you want it to go, if you really don't feel your administration is responsive, run somebody. As in my case, if you get together two or 300 truly interested pilots who are willing to make phone calls to their friends, remind people to go to the polls, in a local election, that's a huge voting block. And I'll say, in my case, I unseated a two-term incumbent mayor. So, I mean, this was not a small thing. I, I won with 62% of the vote. Uh-huh. The wow. pilots can do it. That's terrific. Yeah, good for you, Jamie. Yeah. Well, that's terrific. Can you stick around and, uh, and, and sit with us for a little I while? I can do whatever I'm told. Okay. I've I'm, I'm been married a long time. I'm a very compliant man. <laughs> He's trainable. <laughs> don't, don't get used to that, Jack. Uh, yeah, uh, I know. No, I'm not. I'm not. Don't let it go of your head. Yeah. Jamie, uh, outside of your work with the airport over there, and uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. How long have you been coming to Sun I've been coming here 20 years. I actually discovered this when I was in flight school up at Com Air Academy, which is now the Delta Connection Academy. Uh, I thought I was going to be an airline pilot, to tell you the truth. And I came here and discovered experimentals and ultralights and GA and all its various forms, and I was just fascinated. Mm-hmm. I really have been. And... As my life has gone on, I'm 51 now. Most of my classmates that went to the airlines are in the left seat. I made the right choice for me. I really like GA. I'm, I live my dream. I get to write about things I want to write about. I, my day job, I develop educational content for Glime Publications. As an A&P, I get to do the pilot and the mechanic courses. So I have a great time. This yeah. is a terrific life. Yeah. How long ago did you learn to fly? What was the circumstances of learning to fly? I was in the music business in New York City. I lived in Greenwich Village, and I decided I wanted to be able to get back to Connecticut to see my family more often. So I started going out, taking a train to another train to go out to MacArthur at Islip and started taking lessons. And I found out, to my surprise, I was actually kind of good at this Mm -hmm. and really enjoyed it. So uh, somewhere along the line, instead of just getting my private ticket, I ended up going for CFIs and A&P and absorbing some student loan debt. <laughs> but it, it was a great decision. And, and I'll tell you, one of the oddities of it is my first flight instruction was a horrible experience. Really? My first flight was special VFR. I couldn't see anything. I didn't learn anything. My second flight was across country. And I was far too inexperienced to realize my instructor was building up his bank account at my expense. Oh, uh, yeah. It made me a much better instructor when I got there. Where did you go cross-country out in Long Island? There's not a lot of cross-country out there. Well, we went out to uh, Martha's Vineyard and then oh, over okay. to Rhode Island and back into Connecticut and then back to Islip. Uh, well, if, if, if that kind of thing weren't too intimidating, it would be a wonderful uh, uh, exposure to general aviation. That's a beautiful flight. Well, you know, I was inexperienced enough, naive enough to think the rules said you needed 40 hours of training to get your private. I thought you just logged 40 hours and you got your ticket. I had no idea there was a knowledge test and a practical test. Yeah. And there were specific tasks to learn. We know pilots where we question whether they actually know that yet today. Yes. <laughs> and they actually have, have certificates. Well, it, it really has served me well as an instructor where I... I Really take the heart. I have to serve your needs mm-hmm. and appeal to your motivations, 
or I've failed, really. Yeah. You have to get what you want out of this in a way that you can relate to it. Too, too many flight instructors um, refuse to, to acknowledge the, uh, the uh, vendor and customer relationship between a, an instructor and a student. And uh, it's clearly the student has to be comfortable with the instructor, has to trust him or her. Uh, but the instructor has a duty to, to give, to offer a service, a valuable service to that student. It's, it's, a, it's a commercial transaction in, in a lot of different ways. It's obviously a very personal transaction also. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll give you a good example, I think, where we can really do a better job as instructors. The FAA gave us a great gift in the sport pilot certificate, which the CFI community really resisted for a period of time. And I found more and more often CFIs think it's a junior certificate. They don't want to instruct on that. And I, I point out to them, when your student gets to the 20 hours and can pass the check ride and achieve their certificate, you don't have to sever your connection. You should be telling that student, you know, there's only eight more tasks to get your private certificate if that's right. what you want. Thank you. Let's Thank get you. together yeah. and fly once a month. Well, well, not only that, but... Just because someone has only 20 hours and only, I'm putting, I'm doing finger quotes when I say only, uh, uh, only a sport pilot certificate, they still have the ability legally to carry an innocent bystander with them. Absolutely. And there's a, there's a responsibility the instructor has to make sure that that sport pilot, uh, uh, with 20 hours or even with 40 hours, is still capable and professional enough to do that. Well, you know, and I notice in the FARs, there's nothing in the privileges and limitations that bars a sport pilot from having the professionalism of a commercial pilot. Exactly right. You're allowed to act as professionally as you're capable of, and I'd like to encourage that as much as possible. Well, what, are the, what are the arguments that I make about pursuing a sport pilot ticket as your way in is instead of having to go the whole 40 hours in the private check ride, to be able to take the significant other, right. the child, uh, the, the buddy, out on, on, on a little trip just for grins and giggles. You get through 20, you get to do that. It, it's such an enticement to do more. Uh, as opposed to the guy that's at 60 hours, he still hadn't passed his check ride. If he doesn't have the instructor, the only thing he can do is go out and drone around at the approved airports by himself. Uh, the family doesn't get to participate. The friends don't get to participate. Sport pilot lets them start to be active and, and, and bring in other people in their lives at, at a much quicker cycle. And what greater encouragement? I can carry the spouse. I can carry the kid. Wow, if I went, other, went along the rest of those hours, those eight additional tasks, I could fly something large enough to take the whole family right. on a weekend right. trip. And we can, yeah, we can go places uh, and, and do it at a faster speed, carry more stuff with us, and the airplane will be a little bit more capable. But, uh, uh, no, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Well, and you also have to remember, because of the advances in technology, earlier, Dave, you were talking about some of the gadgets that are available now. We probably are all old enough to, to realize that, there are sport aircraft today with better navigation equipment than Pan Am and TWA were using 25 years ago. Exactly right. You can truly have a very professional experience in a really safe aircraft with very good training, whether you're at the sport pilot level or any other. And, and maybe the biggest thing missed on the sport pilot is not that it's a stepladder coming into aviation. It's also at the other end of the career as well. That's right. I know a number of people in their 70s who have just decided, you know what? I don't need the privileges of my commercial or my ATP anymore. I'll just operate at the sport level, and they're allowed to. Yep. It's perfectly viable. Yeah. 
A friend of mine back home is looking at a uh, old Luscombe. Oh, perfect. Okay, it's legacy, qualified as an LSA. That's what he learned in 50 right. odd years right. ago. Right. Uh, he's getting rid of a Cherokee Six. He's thinking about the next few years, the next medical. So, you know, this is just going to be a lot simpler. I'm going to sell the Cherokee. I'm going to pick up the sweet Luscombe, his bride, lovely lady. They can still take off their little junkets down to the uh, uh, lakes in Oklahoma. Uh, they can go up to Kansas City and visit the grandkids, the two of them, uh, and have a great time. And he doesn't feel like he's giving up anything. And what a great experience where you can have a fuel burn below five gallons per hour. Your insurance is low. Your cost is low. It's mm-hmm. a truly fun airplane to fly. It's just a great way to go, and, and I don't see it as a limitation in any way. And one of the one of the discussions that seems to just die here is some pilots wanting to refight the arguments over where the bar was drawn. Absolutely. Oh, uh, it should have been drawn up here. They did it deliberately to keep this out, that, and the other thing. Uh, you know, the bar was set. The line was drawn. It's in a good spot. It's in a workable spot. It's viable. Why are we having this argument? Well, and you know, from an instructor's standpoint, it's not about 20 hours. It's about being able to perform these tasks. Mm-hmm. If you can't competently perform those tasks, you need a little bit more training. It's just like the old guys we meet who say, oh, I soloed in eight hours. Well, they, they could make it around the patch, but they couldn't leave the field right. in eight hours. Yeah. Same thing. We, you have to get your training. You have to take it seriously. Once you can pat, do those tasks, you pass your practical test, you're on that stepping stone that we all went through. I mean, I'm certain none of us on our first flight as a private pilot decided, I'm going to California. You know, it's all incremental. We build up our experience. We learn from our fellow pilots. And, you know, one of the great things is that we do have to do, go do flight reviews and things where we, we Dave, have Dave and education our, built in. Dave and I are looking at each other. We have this slowly expanding grin on our face. We're just thinking back to our first uh, uh, um, uh, dual instruction flight as, as an ab initio student. And uh, I don't know about yours, Dave, but mine was pretty ugly. Yeah. Jamie, we've got, uh, uh, I'm pleased to say we have friends building up in the queue here. But before you run off, um, so 20 years at Sun and Fun, uh, what, you come here as a regular pilot GA enthusiast. Yes, I do. What did you like this year? What did you see? What was interesting? Oh, wow. So much. So much. I, I'm increasingly being drawn to the LSAs because of the diversity, whether it's the Legacies or the SLSAs, the ELSAs. You can't come here and not enjoy the Thunderbirds. And in all honesty, I'm really overwhelmed that the ability to bring someone here who's never been here, who had the ability to see what GA really is, and then have an impact on that in my community, maybe more than any of the hardware, that brings me back to the original reason for Sun and Fun. It's about the people. And I, I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. that part yeah. personally. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Jamie, for taking a few minutes and joining us here. Uh, it was nice to meet you. Thank and, you. Uh, I just had the best time. And, guys, I wish you all the best. You do a great job with this podcast. Keep Jamie, going. so tickled to run into you the other day. It's great to see you, man. Keep you it up. You too, Dave. Thank you. Thank you again, man. Thank you. Here comes the rain again.
We're all huddled under there our umbrella the there. Do, 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 yeah. do. Um, one of the cool things about coming out to these kinds of events uh, is uh, we meet so many of our listeners. Uh, listeners wander up to us uh, here on the deck or, or in the exhibit areas and say hi and uh, just can't, well, I mean, first of all, my ego can't get enough of that, but uh, it is very, very gratifying to say hi to these folks. Um, and I learned something new from just about every one of them. We, uh, we met a, a longtime friend of the podcast, uh, came by and said hello, a Navion pilot. Uh, Jonathan H., uh, who uh, gave Jeb and I rides in his Navion last summer uh, at the other air show up the road, and uh, he stopped by. Um, his situation is kind of interesting. He wasn't—he didn't think he was going to be able to come here because uh, his wedding anniversary falls this week, uh, and uh, as he tells the story, uh, his—he uh, didn't—he wasn't actually married during Sun and Fun Week. Um, the, the show was on a different different date uh, five years ago, and uh, and then all of a sudden they moved Sun and Fun to match up with his uh, his anniversary week. So he didn't think he was going to be able to make it here. Um, he and his wife were about an hour and a half down the road uh, uh, celebrating, and uh, and after their actual anniversary day uh, passed by, uh, his wife apparently turned to him and said, "You really want to go there, don't you?" And he goes, "Yeah." And he says, <laughs> "She said, all right, you go. She Take gets, off. She gets a gold star for getting it. So he got a day. And, and, uh, he does too for for not saying, look, I'm going to go up to the air show, uh, um, and, and you know, you have a great day. Well, I was I'll thinking, be back. You know? I was thinking the the ruse here. I know this great little airport, uh, this great little restaurant, right here in Lakeland, Florida, and well, wow, look." There's an air show and a fly-in right across the... What a, what a coincidence. How romantic. Yeah, so uh, he was here. Um, he's actually having troubles with his Navion. Uh, he had some sort of uh, uh, fuel flow issue that caused the pistons to... Uh, he overheated the engine a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and so he apparently has to replace all the cylinders. going to have to rework them, I think. Yeah, yeah. A, a sad situation. But Well, uh, it happens. And, and But uh, he's working on that, and he's also working on a uh, what, what he described called an EAA biplane, which I'm just barely able to picture. But it's a project plane that he's working on. He hopes to fly that to the that other plane up the road. There's a kit built there later in the well, summer. It's a scratch built, plans it's built, or something like that. Yeah, cool, like that. very yeah. cool. Yeah. So it was nice to meet uh, Jonathan. We really appreciate him stopping by and saying hi. Being joined now by another great friend of the podcast here and uh, a, a fairly instrumental person here at the Fly-In. <laughs> John Burton's here, the head guy. What was he called yourself? The chief poobah and the uh... Uh, either supreme commander or uh, grand poobah. Yeah, but. You know, today is not, not my day. They, they didn't let me be in charge. Yeah. Oh, really? Too, too many things going on. Oh, okay. What is going on today? we still got a whole day left here, and uh, although it's although showers are happening right now, the forecast is for it to clear out around noontime, I believe. And I, uh, We understand that we had a security briefing this morning, as we do every morning, where we go over the air operations first, and then we meet with our emergency response so that we're all on the same page. Uh, the weather briefing said that it will clear up uh, late morning, early afternoon, but it's going to be kind of like this on again, off again for most of the day. 60% chance of showers, uh, but uh, it should be good for the air show. Yeah. Oh, but we'll take that 40% part that's good, and they can send that in any time. <laughs> yeah, if that starts about 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that's we're going right. to be A-OK. Yeah. But what a, what a great week it's been. Tell us about the uh, week. From, How has it been from your perspective? From my standpoint, uh, it's been outstanding. Uh, if You know, you always tend to compare it to the year previous, and the year previous we were down a little bit overall in our attendance, but we also had the bad weather 
the weekend prior to opening day. So there were very few airplanes here on opening day, even into Wednesday, the second day. Right. There were very, very few airplanes because there was that front that was isolating the lower half they, they of the peninsula. Get down here, right, so yeah. VFR pilots, there was no way they were getting in. This year we had a full campground, a good number of airplanes early. Not a great number, but a good number early. So our early numbers were good. Uh, Tuesday was a solid day. Wednesday, dipped down. Not a lot of activity. Thursday, about average. Friday and Saturday were huge. Yeah. Friday was big. Saturday was bigger. You could tell that. It felt great yeah. here those days. They it really, was crowded really here yesterday. Yeah, for it, sure. it, was, uh, it was really big. And I was very pleasantly surprised to see uh, how many airplanes came in over the course of the week and how many stayed. Because usually by Saturday... There's a lot of airplanes that have gone, especially in the Warbird area. You know, you're kind of looking around and where are they? Uh, but this year, there were a lot of airplanes that, that stayed. I don't know if yeah, you saw the same thing. They've held on. They've held on. I was driving around a little bit last evening, uh, marveling at how crowded the ground still are. Aircraft camping, uh, the campground out of the west end of the field. Uh, People seem to come with a, a, a mind to be here for a while. One of the things that uh, I use to gauge uh, success or, or lack of success of the show and the, and the general aviation generally is when walking around some of the camp or the camping and parking areas, how many airplanes have for sale signs on them? And I remember two or three years ago, Dave and I were driving around, looking around at, at the parking areas and whatnot, and it seemed at the time that every third airplane had a for sale sign on it. I haven't seen that this year. Yeah, I would agree. Now, now one thing, and it, it may have an impact on this, we had our first airplane auction this year. How'd that now, go? Yeah. It, it went very well. I think it went about according to plan. Uh, for Bill Roden and uh, uh, Aircraft Auctions uh, came in. Uh, we agreed to do it just to kind of see how it would go. But our idea, from a selfish standpoint, was we thought that it would bring more pilots and more aircraft to our event to participate in the event. So we thought it was a win-win. Mm -hmm. And there are people who are selling their airplanes mm -hmm. anyway, uh -huh. so why not give a forum sure. where everybody can kind of get together, and instead of having to walk up and down every aisle, you can get most of them in one place at one time. So I think uh, the concept is a good one. I think operationally it didn't impact our operations in a bad way. It was it, I don't want to say it was isolated, but it was one area where we could move airplanes in and out without impacting our ground sure. operations. So I think it, it really worked out pretty well. I think Bill is happy, uh, and uh, I think uh, I'd like to consider doing it again next year. Do you have any numbers? I, I don't on the auction. I know that they were hoping to move 40 or 50 airplanes through there a night. I don't know if they had any specific sale. I'm sure they had sales sure, goals. Sure. Uh, I'm just not, not not aware of them. So I'll get with Bill, find out how he did, and, and uh, uh, find out uh, what those what those numbers are. I'm curious, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when you were uh, joined us on the podcast a week ago, you described some of the uh, facilities changes, the, some of the growth here. Um, and now that we've been here a week, I've had a chance to see them in action. Um, the uh, You've got Hangar Echo over there, and you've moved the parts exchange. Uh, that seemed to work really well. I, I can tell you only because this morning was the first opportunity I had to go down to get a Starbucks uh, early this morning. And, and Jack, honest to God, uh, I have been running around so much this year, more so than, than any previous year. This is my 11th year. You know, usually I get a chance and I, and I make time to go through the indoor hangars and to, to go around to the different outdoor exhibit areas and, and check out the, the different uh, aircraft parking areas. I know Vintage was swamped 
uh, this year. Very good good turnout in the vintage area. I didn't get as much of a chance this year. However, this morning went down, got my Starbucks, and then walked around Hangar Echo, and and I really think that the initial idea of placing parts exchange and Starbucks down in Hangar Echo added to the pedestrian traffic going through there. Now, I don't know if it was consistent all day because I only stopped down there this morning, and it was for a Sunday, last day of the show, crowded. And it wasn't raining at the time. I mean, people weren't ducking for cover in there. They were there, you know, checking out all the exhibits. So uh, I I think that there was some concern early on about uh, foot traffic going in and out. But I think, you know, based on what I saw just today, and I'll I'll talk to some more of the exhibitors later, looked pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree on the foot traffic concerns. We were down there first or second day of the show in, in Hangar Echo, and some of the vendors were, you know, hey, it's kind of dead down here. Please tell people to come down. And I think we did do some of that during the week. And, and uh, as word spread, they got more traffic in. And I'll be down there later today and kind of see how they're ha- happy they are. Good. So, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank some, you. Some of the vendors that we visited with down there, we had to wait to talk to. Yeah. Yeah, because they had crowds at their table. Yeah. Well, that's how you're echoing on day one or day two. So yeah, and, and really day one and two, you know, it's a new thing. Exactly. And, and a lot of the folks who have been coming to Sun and Fun have been coming for a couple of years. So it, it t- sometimes it takes a while to get the the word out. Thank you guys well, for helping promote that. And part of that too is the people who have been coming for a few years. When they get here, they have an agenda. And they, they know what they want to do, and the rest of it is gravy. And, and by day three, then they can get the hangar echo yeah, because right. it's new and, and it wasn't yeah, on there. Day one, avionics, right, indoor. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, Write the check. Jeb was, Jeb was talking about one of his yardsticks uh, about uh, activity at, at uh, events like this, and Sunday Fun's always been one of my favorites. But one of my yardsticks is activities at night. In the campground, uh, it's some of the special areas. Why am uh, I not I've surprised seen... that's one of Dave's yardsticks? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, I like oh, how he calls it activities. Right, though, right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weight, I call it weightlifting, 12 hours weightlifting. <laughs> the, uh, the, the number of uh, stages set up where there were uh, bands playing for the people in those particular areas out there. Uh, near the old uh, flight safety operation, mm-hmm. uh, those folks had one where there was music every night. Yep. Over here in the campground near the corn roast area every night. A uh, little pickup uh, music playing at some of the other campsites. Of course, last night's uh, ultralight party over in Paradise City, uh, that was that was as uh, rollicking and, 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 and raucous as usual with our old buddy Slasarchik up on stage. Oh, Shuck is back. All right. Yeah, up on stage singing. He's been here all week. He's been here all week, and of course there was muzzleloader. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it, it, that it, didn't mute. <laughs> yeah, really. John's going. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. Going on not until bad hours, but just steady all evening long, and then finally, you know, the the grounds would start to quiet down about ten o'clock, and you could sit around and listen to the the the, the, the campsites and, and the field go to sleep. Yeah, and know that, but boy, they no matter where they were on the field, they had something to do, people to hang out with, and they were they were enjoying the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I, I I always look at the campground. Uh, normally, the the uh, uh, the campground closest to uh, the indoor exhibit hangars are packed. I judge the success of the campground experience, the capacity, by driving out on the perimeter road and looking back on the area that we lease from Miss Betty Howard to see how many vehicles are, are camping in that area 
And this year, not only was it all the way to the tree line on the west end, but it was almost all the way south on the on the lease property. It was it was crowded. Yeah, it was almost down to the fence. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, we've talked a, a couple of times in the last few days on the podcast and here on the station about the uh, LSA Mall, the whole LSA exhibit, here, which is uh, just fascinating. A lot. I mean, it continues to have an amazing collection of airplanes up there, and uh, and we've been enjoying that. Dan Johnson's going to join us in a little while, and we'll probably talk more about the LSA stuff. My question for you: We're talking about Paradise City. Is, there seems to be a little bit more of LSA activity uh, in the Paradise City area, and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts for the future of, of ways to better integrate those two communities, which in my mind think, seem like they could be kindred spirits. Yeah, we're, we're right on the same page. As a matter of fact, we've been working with Dan over the last couple of years on how we're going to uh, transition Paradise City from primarily ultralights to a light sport aircraft, light aircraft type of facility. we got the grass runway down there. Uh, it's about 1,600 feet long. It's going to accommodate at least 90% uh, of the light aircraft, light sport aircraft uh, that can that can safely fly in and out of there. Uh, so I think eventually uh, there will be an exodus from the southeast exhibits where they're currently located over to Paradise City. We just have to plan it. We we're inclusive, so we don't want to say ultralights out, light sport aircraft in. I, I agree exactly with what you said, Jack. I think they're complementary. I think they can peacefully coexist, uh, and, and we have the capacity down there. Now that we've moved parts exchange, we've got more area. One of the other things that we've been looking at uh, in terms of that area is the airport has been looking to sell the property uh, on which uh, is currently located the ultralight campground. Okay. So we're looking at picking that up and moving it on the other side of the ditch Mm-hmm. So that would occupy the place formerly occupied by parts exchange, but then that still leaves us an awful lot of area. Uh, and the ILS uh, is being mo- is in the process of being moved from five over to nine. And 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 if you if you look at that from a, from a, an operational and logistical standpoint, that really screws up the layout of Paradise City. So if if that's all gone, we can kind of bulldoze. You know, there, there's the the the, the hump right in the middle, so we can kind of smooth all that out. There are some low areas on the north end along the road where we should be putting exhibits so that when people are driving by there, that's the front door instead of having to push everything back towards the runway. So uh, I know it's a long answer to your, your, no, your no, good it's question. good information. But we are looking at how Paradise City evolves. It will be evolving into a light aircraft, light sport aircraft area, but we want to keep uh, the ultralights uh, uh, commingling uh, in that area. Yeah, um, some Sun and Fun attendees may not realize because they're not involved with either ultralights or LSA. Paradise City is one of the most vibrant communities right. uh, around here, and uh, um, although it's it's slowed down a little bit the last couple of years, perhaps as a result of the economy and and whatnot, um, it continues to be. Dave and I stopped by this party last night. It, it was a happening place. Uh, they had a rocking band. That was a good band. I, I, I drove and, uh, by. I think it was about ten fifteen. Of, eh, maybe it was a little bit before that. Probably a little bit before that. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. It was shaken. I, I would urge anyone who attends Sun and Fun who doesn't stop by Paradise City because you don't think that's your kind of flying, uh, you're making a mistake. Go check it out. Great yeah. people. Yeah. And you know, it, everybody. It's the people. I mean, the airplanes bring us together, but it's it's the people 
that that you meet that that gives you either the enjoyment or the reason to come back. In in my opinion. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure you're a really busy guy. I want one, one one final question here. Um, so today is the final day of 2010. Uh, I would imagine you're going to take tomorrow off, and then Tuesday you begin working on 2011. Actually, we're we're already working on 2011. Uh, we're going to have uh, a, a brief uh, a press briefing this afternoon where we will be announcing that the, the Navy Blue Angels will be coming uh, next year. Oh, to, terrific. To perform. We, we didn't want to announce we won't that previously. No, no, yeah, keep conference. that under your hat until <laughs> after. Uh, but we didn't want to announce that previously because, you know, people hear it and then they think, you said the Blue Angels were flying this year. No, no, it's the Thunderbirds this year. Yep. Blue Angels next year, which is the 100th anniversary of naval aviation. Yeah, here. So we feel that that's a huge coup for Sun and Fun to be one of the, I think they have 32 dates, uh, and, and we're one of them. Excellent. So we're hoping to bring additional naval assets to celebrate uh, 100 years of naval aviation. Uh, this week, r- real quickly, uh, we always judge success first by safety. We have had an incredibly safe week. We had a co- you know we had the collapsed landing gear two days before opening day. We had an off-site landing into a tomato patch, no injuries. And then we had two incidents in the ultralight area. I think on Thursday, no injury, you know, walkaways. Actually, one was in the ultralight area. The other was in the Geico parking lot. Uh, very, very safe. I'm knocking on wood. You know, we're we're still uh, operational today, but everybody's done a the fantastic inci- job. The incident in the Geico parking lot. Did they get that little gecko yet? <laughs> did they just get I him? I think that was the plan. I, oh. I, I want to know if the guy that landed in the tomato patch is he making salsa or tomato sauce? I, I think it's got to be salsa. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to tell us about next year? Uh, well, uh, we're already working on uh, next year's activities. We've already got the the Blue Angels locked in. I think. Uh, this is our second year for the green space, which is right on this side yep. uh, of the flying tent. I think as an organization and as a, uh, an aviation community, I think that we need to be looking at renewable resources, uh, at environmentally friendly uh, 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 products and services. Not that we're going to go 100%, but I think that we need to start thinking about it. There needs to be an awareness because right now I don't think we're doing a real good job. But I think Sun and Fun has, has been a leader in that area. We plan on expanding it again next year. Uh, this year, I, one thing I do want to mention is our sincere appreciation to Randy Babbitt for not only attending. Usually when the administrator or the FAA folks come down, they come down from Washington on the jet about 11 o'clock in the morning, and they leave right after the air show that same afternoon. Administrator Babbitt got down here Thursday evening, left Friday night. The buzz is he got a, he got a Thunderbird ride. He did. Oh, yeah. right. Good and, for you know, for an... I, I just, he's a tall gentleman, too. But yeah, he's yeah. about six four, yeah. very tall. But <clears throat> I just... I, I, I'm excited that an FAA administrator would spend that much time because I always get the sense, and I know that they would deny it, but from the highest levels of FAA, they spell aviation A-I-R-L-I-N-E-S. Right. And, and we're a very important and very vibrant part of the aviation community in the United States. And I think Administrator Babbitt understands that, endorses that concept, and is working with the community instead of, you uh, know. He, he flies this stuff. Yeah. 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 That yeah. helps a lot. He gets yeah. it. He gets he, it. He's a CFI. I mean, he, he's just having a, an administrator that actually knows how to fly an airplane is such a nice change back to I could not agree with you more. Yep. And and it goes back to the flight with the Thunderbirds. I, I just that to me speaks volumes. Yep. And and his actions speak much louder than the words and his actions of being down here for four days to me kicking tires too. 
because often you'll get an administrator and, and they stay inside that building right. meeting with other FAA folks and not talking to you and me and, and everybody else out here. He was kicking tires. He was talking to a lot of pilots. I think he really got a lot of feedback, good and bad, yeah. but he listened. And, and I just I, that uh, really, I'm very enthusiastic about that, and yeah. I think that speaks very yeah, well for, for our relationship with Well, them. I know you have to run. Uh, I want to thank, on behalf of everybody, I want to thank you and your staff and all the volunteers for pulling this thing yeah. together and for having us down here. Uh, we can't tell you how much we enjoy it and look forward to it. Just like your podcast, Jack, you know it takes a team, and it, it, uh, it, it everybody really, really worked very hard this year, and I think we're looking at bigger and better next yeah. year. We've yeah, especially had a... said that Jack's going to be out looking for a team for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> more, more especially, though, thank Thanks for spending some time with us, both oh, before and during, uh, John. It's been a pleasure. And thank you. Thank you I'll very tell much. you, you know, it, it, it's a win-win because you guys do a great job of promoting aviation and sun and fun. So I'm, well, I'm happy we, to spend the time. Thank you, guys. We've actually been hearing from uh, people that uh, listen to the streaming of the radio station and us earlier in the show who decided to change plans and come down because of what they heard on the stream. Wonderful. Thank you. It's good stuff. Thanks to all stuff. of you. Good seeing right. you. Come on back next year. See you Take next care. Year. Thanks. Absolutely. Go see what you can do about the rain here. And uh, all right. We'll talk to you later on. Thank you. John Burton, the uh, Chief Puba, President and, I guess, Chairman, uh, the head guy here at uh, He's Sun not the Chairman. But yeah. He, is, I, I'm yeah. terrible at titles. Yeah. I'm yeah, awful. That's right. He's John. He's a good guy. And, Grand uh, Air Show Puba. There you go. There you go. So uh, what else is going on here? The rain keeps coming and going here. And, You're uh, leaving streaky marks on your iPad. Yeah, your iPad's getting wet. I am yeah. a little nervous about that, but it's probably okay. <laughs> They're just kind of keeping it at the center of the umbrella here. So uh, What's that smoke there? Yeah, quiet. <laughs> yeah, quiet. Hey, David. Dave Shelby. I didn't know they made a waterproof version of the iPad. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> we still don't know that. Is this called beta testing here, Jack? Yeah, yeah. Uh, How's it going, guys? I've been, I ran off and went shopping. One of our vendors in Hangar A has these beautiful, beautiful wooden models. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you yeah. see them? And right yeah. next to Sam I Lyons have seen there. them. You had, you had quite a selection in mind. What would you get? Um, I bought, well, uh, Miss April and I have the house in Key Largo, and we've started doing a little more in lighthouses in honor of our friend Bonnie Higby, who loved collecting lighthouses. And I bought this beautiful wooden model of a lighthouse, about eight inches tall. And then, you know, turnabout being fair play, you know, I bought a right flyer model. Oh, good. good. For, my, well, for myself. You mentioned April's name, and that reminded me that uh, we owe her an on-air thanks for ensuring that we all had a blanket and a pillow and all that kind of thing at the campground earlier this week. Thank yes. you, April. Yes, we thank really you. Shay Better was well-equipped for the onslaught. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do we need to do an ID or anything like that? You're listening to Sun and Fun Radio, WPEP 788, 10 a.m. Lakeland. Speaking of which, how'd the radio station go this year? Seems like it's gone well, and uh, the streaming has been a lot of fun. I tell you, the, the folks listening to the streaming, uh, Dave Pasco at LiveATC.net, thanks to you. You're the one who gave me that suggestion to get hold of Dave. That has been so fantastic. I've been getting emails from Israel. Got one last night from Okinawa, Japan. Cool. Italy, um, all over the U.S. A lot of them that I've gotten, which it's is amazing. That a lot of them that I've gotten, which is really cool, are from people who are saying, "I wasn't going to come this week. I wasn't going to make it this year. Heard you on the radio. I'll be there this weekend." Yeah, and that's cool. That that's really cool. neat. That is cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Some uh, folks that were on last night's podcast, Pilots Flight Podcast, were from Las Vegas. Said couldn't stand it. Catching it. Bought a last minute. Ticket. Oh, did they really? I didn't grabbing. Yeah, taking the red eye human mailing tube out of Vegas. Yeah. Be there. You know, came in, introduced themselves. 
had some folks actually listening on the radio. Well, that explains why. Um, that was Mike, Mike Flies, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who's a podcaster. They do the uh, Mile High Flyers podcast. And... Uh, they uh, I, and I was wondering. I was thinking, well, why didn't we get him for Gap? But he must not have been here at that point. Yeah. He wasn't here yet. And then also, another one that we uh, we hear from on Twitter, Pilot Damon, uh-huh. sent me an email from Okinawa, Japan. He was going to be here, but the military had other plans. And he's <laughs> listening to the stream in Okinawa, Japan. And I was just saying, that's so great to me. This yeah. is such a such a hit with us. Very very cool. So yeah, that's really cool. It's liveatc.net/snf. And the the whole week uh, is available on the net in one form or another um, through various archives, right? Yes, I have a personal website called. Well, I, the title is Chats from the Deck in honor of the Sun and Fun Radio Deck. This is my. I want to be very clear to everybody listening. This is my personal site. Um, I take the recordings that we've done and put it up there. This year, I'm really hoping that we're going to have a ton of not only live on-the-deck interviews, but all of the pre-recorded interviews we did will be on my site. Um, I need to speak with Dave Pasco about the archives. I believe liveatc.net will offer archives of Sudden Fun Radio. And um, you guys putting the podcasts up, putting the gap up, that's a, that's a huge hit for us, a huge success for us. Mm-hmm. I think last year we had something in the range of 3,000, 5,000 people downloaded the gap between the yeah. four, four sites that put it up, the four podcasts. The numbers are huge. That's um, great. Yeah. I'm waiting on an answer back. I know that second day of the air show, we had 1,600 unique hits on the live stream site. That's awesome. That's which terrific. Is great. That's terrific. Well, thank you, David. I no appreciate problem. you stepping in no here, problem. and uh, uh, we'll be talking to you more later on. Uh, another friend of the podcast, uh, oh, you read my mind. He just brought me paper towels to dry my iPad. I appreciate that. Dan, come I on in here. I didn't know that you could use those underwater. While, while Dan's getting set up here, um, I want to, uh, another listener um, who uh, we've been meeting here at Sun and Fun for the last few years um, is a listener, who go, uh, first name of Tony. Uh, Tony is the guy who fixed us up a year ago with the uh, T6 uh, aeroshell rides. Uh, and, uh, and if that wasn't enough for us to be grateful to him for the rest of uh, eternity, yeah. um, this year he wandered by and he presented the three of us uh, with framed photographs that he had took that day. Um, of of well, in the case of Dave, Dave didn't go on the flights, but Dave got a nice framed picture of uh, us broadcasting here from the deck, and uh, and and he had a picture of myself uh, while I was sitting in the cockpit uh, getting ready to taxi out, um, and and Jeb's, I love Jeb's. Yeah, I, uh, Tony, uh, I I don't know what to say, man. You just blew me away with that. Um, I owe you a big time, and I uh, hope I'll get the chance to. to pay yeah, it was back. a picture. I believe it was you rock, man. After the flight was over, yeah. and you were starting to climb out of the airplane, you were standing. Oh, it's probably. after the flight. It's yeah. after, you can tell by the shovel. Print. Yeah, and you were either standing in the cockpit or on the wing, yeah. and you just kind of waved to him uh-huh. uh, as he snapped the picture. It's a terrific, yeah. terrific photo. Thank so, you, thank you, and thank you. Yes, thank you very much, Tony, for the rides, and for now for the photographs. Uh, awesome. Dan Johnson's with us. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? Well, I'm glad to join you today. So, uh, uh, the, the LSA Mall precedes you. We've been talking about it all week long. Uh, there's just a lot of fun things, a lot of fascinating, beautiful airplanes up there. How did it go up there this year? Well, you know, we had a new location after uh, three years in the uh, location just inside the front tent. And so I was a little uh, hesitant to know how people, all the vendors that are in there and others and the visitors especially, were going to regard that location. And I would say it is an unqualified hit. 
we have had really dense traffic out there, especially Friday. Every single airplane was three or four deep for hours in the morning. Typically, it's a morning inflow thing. Then once they get over here to the core area, uh, we don't see them again till later in the day, typically. But the real purpose of that is to help direct, first of all, just to give them all a great sampling of what's out there. Uh, and then they can, from there, go on to whatever interests them further and get more details. Um, and also to present sort of a, a, a group affair where the uh, LSA industry is more visible because they're kind of scattered all over the grounds here. There's not really an area that's LSA yet. I know John was speaking about uh, future plans, and we've had a lot of talk about that as well. So uh, the LSA mall may move to another location at some point, but we're real happy about the one it's in now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of beautiful airplanes. I can't get over there. You look all around that area, and they're all beautiful. Uh, I, I'm, I've been repeatedly struck this week as I go up one particular road. I mean, you may know which one I mean, where you've got a number of them all lined up along the edge of the street, uh, and and they're just each one is more attractive and sleek and sexy than the other. Um, <laughs> the variety, the um, the different designs, um, all of that is, and we've we've talked some about that here, even here today. Um, just the dynamic nature of that industry segment is is ever constantly amazing, but. The other thing that, that we perhaps haven't talked about is um, the companies that are here this year are pretty much the same companies who were here five, six years ago. And um, that, to me, is, is interesting because we always assumed going, going into this, this market that uh, there would be a shakeout, that, uh, uh, okay, some of the companies that were in here in, on, on year one or day one uh, may not survive for whatever reasons. They may not wish to continue in this industry. But looking out there at the LSM, all the same companies who were here five years ago are still here. And that says a lot about their staying power. It says a lot about, I think, the promise of the market. And uh, any, any thoughts, any comments? Well, yeah, you know, there are a few like that. First of all, we've got 18 airplanes out there. We maybe could have squeezed one or two more in. So it was uh, a capacity sure. group. It did take a lot more effort this year because it has been really slow out there. So one thing I've got to follow that up with because we don't want it to end on bad news is that uh, this has been a selling show for these folks. Uh-huh. I'm estimating between 20 and 30 light sport aircraft. I mean, money-changing hands, not prospects. Well, but, uh, you walk through there, sales, and there's so. a couple of airplanes with sold signs That's on right. them. That's right. Some Just of those make are... sure that you, you, know, you the, the, the visitor here at Sun and Fun, don't uh, get all enamored with this particular airplane because someone already did. Yeah. That's right. They sure look like more than 18 airplanes. Well, that's just the uh, massively good architecture that we've set up. That's right. It's it's a lot of talent behind it. There are a bunch of mirrors out there. I don't know why you didn't walk into one of them. No, I'd heard that. I mentioned this earlier on on this uh, episode that uh, I I had heard an unconfirmed rumor from the Piper folks that they were very pleasantly surprised at the reaction to uh, them rolling out the sport this week. Um, What I heard was that they were surprised that people have bought airplanes here on the spot, many more than they ever expected. Uh, and, uh, last report I heard, they've got seven. This is cash in hand. Yeah. And usually, you know, the old air show rule is if you sell at the show, you're going to get a like number sometime after the show. People got to go decide on these things. Yeah. You know, even even though we got lower prices, uh, anywhere from fifty to one hundred and fifty thousand, it's still a good chunk of change, and a lot of people aren't ready to just go act on that. So, really pleasant. Uh, I mean, we needed it in this industry. Yeah. We've been slow, as I said. And so it's great. Everybody is up. They're all talking uh, very positively about what they've accomplished out there this week. And, boy, that's just a yeah. real pleasant surprise was, for all. I was pleased to see in the mall that uh, that uh, the, you had a CGS Hawk up there, um, yep. which is a, a favorite of ours. Uh, uh, David has made it a favorite of mine. And uh, 
Um, it was because ple- you know so many of these these LSA aircraft are are these sleek you know uh, composite uh, you know you know rocket ship Autopilots, kind of uh, you know sports fancy car screens, kind of, a whole you know, bit yeah um, and and it's important to remember that 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 there are also the Valors and the the uh, and the Hawks and uh, well we wanted to show price points too for people some we've had a lot of people say geez how these things get so expensive and there is uh, some explanations for why that's occurred some of it is just people want more stuff in them as we just said but. But you've got guys out there like the CGS Hawk. I mean, there's a $40,000 ready-to-fly airplane. Right behind him was the M-squared. There's a $35,000 ready-to-fly. This is complete, built, test-flown, and certified. So some people you talked about the shakeout, uh, there's been a lot of talk saying, well, these companies are going to go away, and I don't see how you could be a small company. And we haven't seen that, though, I guess. Is we have which not. Is my Two point. or three losses out of 75 manufacturers and at least 10 or 15 more manufacturers a year from now, there'll be 10 or 15 more new names really? in the market. Yes. Oh, okay. So this is still happening. But people say, well, you can't do that. You can't make a good quality product. You can't support it well. You can't meet certification standards and sell that few air- airplanes. And, uh, indeed, this industry is only five years old, so there's some proving yet to be done, no question. But I say, well, then how do you explain mall? Mm-hmm. They're meeting Part 23 and uh, a mom-and-pop shop, if you will, and uh, sometimes only 10 or 15 airplanes in a year, sometimes quite a bit better than that. They've been around for years, so don't tell me it can't be done. They're proof of it. Well, you got price points from below 50 to 150 you were talking about. You also have a variety of sources. I mean, you've got stuff here from South America. You've got stuff here from Europe. also have quite a selection made right here in the USA, and it's really kind of heartening because it gives me a shut up and sit down point with some of my friends back home that well you can't get anything that's made in the united states and you know cgs hawk rands uh it's, it's the uh two cub clone companies that are putting airplanes out uh those are all u.s sourced uh, a couple of them with u.s engines on top of it all Yep, and uh, you know, another one that's had a good run this week, I think they're up to about six airplanes sold, is the Lightning. Uh, here's an under $100,000 sleek-looking airplane designed and built in the USA. That's, that's the new USA-built one right over here, isn't yep, it? Yep, uh-huh. And uh, so, you know, here's a, here's another company. The Europeans had a head start on us, and that's why there's so many of them, because they allowed fully-built airplanes in this roughly this weight category. Uh, for years. So when the rule happened, boom, they could get right in. We had in America an awful lot of kit companies. The best kit companies in the world are American. And uh, But you don't make the transition quickly from kit to fully manufactured. That's a completely different business model. So it took a little while before those oh, companies... Different and, paperwork to take care of and the compliance standards. Well, different and, staff, different facilities. Yeah. You've got to do a lot of stuff to get into that game. You've got to do so, uh, operation manuals and maintenance manuals and, and, and figure out how you're going to support it. Uh, none of which is necessarily a requirement for the experimental amateur built, although there are some companies that do that quite well. Uh, that was never a prerequisite for getting into experiments, experimental aircraft. Well, you want to retain that flexibility. You know, we don't want to ever lose amateur built because no. the innovation is there, will always probably be the strongest. Because if you can't make a mistake, then you don't learn anything. Mm-hmm. And so some of those haven't been successful, but we learn from failure sometimes. It wasn't just a matter of taking the kid airplane they've been building and putting it in a finished package and having it ready to ship. There was a lot of background work that had to be done on the, on the manufacturer's part. Uh, the compliance work that had never been forced on them before had to be met. Uh, but they've well, risen. had to write the compliance, had too. To write the, had to write your own certification standard and then meet it. But they've risen to the task. 
Uh, you know, they, uh, we heard from uh, Randy Babbitt, uh, FAA Administrator here, following up on his comments at AirVenture when he was a brand-new administrator, so maybe you could think, well, he wasn't totally informed then or something. Probably doubtful, but you could assume that. Uh, but here again, he said, you know, the LSA guys are doing right. The safety record is good. They're fulfilling the mandates. Uh, and so while, they're, while the roadway still has its potholes that we have to fill in yet, no question, uh, really the performance of these people has been remarkable. And now we're starting to see the American companies, MySky, Icon, Terrafugia. So lots of innovation happening. But And the interesting thing about some of these new ones is they started because of Lightsport Aircraft. These companies went, ah, I see an opportunity. Yeah. Well, that takes time, too, but here they come. So look out, world. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you have a lot on your plate as uh, uh, representing and, and promoting the uh, light sport industry, um, but y- you go way back. You're a longtime GA and, and, and uh, ultralight and hang gliding pilot. Um, did you have an opportunity this week to just go out and be a pilot? And, I and did, actually. I finally yesterday achieved one of the goals I've had for a while, to go fly the Vans RV-12. Okay, what was that like? Uh, it's a real, you know, it's a van. Uh, those guys know how to build an airplane, and uh, their Czech pilot, uh, Mike Seeger, he's got eleven thousand hours in RVs alone and does transition training. So clearly, it was a slam dunk affair for him to teach anybody how to fly yeah, that thing. Yeah. What a nice little airplane! And he says that the interest on that is, I think he told me, three to one over any of their, over all of their other models. Really, so the RV twelve wow. is attracting huge response. Yeah, and that's great to see from such a prominent kit manufacturer. Yeah. Do you do you still hang glide ever? Do you? Well, you know, uh, not as much as I used to, but uh-huh. it's still. If I always say, if I could just snap my fingers and somehow be in the air, we all know it's not that simple. Of course, that I, it would be in a hang glider because that's just the absolute purity of flight that I can experience. Here, here, yeah. Have you settled into your new home? In the last couple of years, you you, you left the nomadic life and. Uh, and now you're living over on the East Coast here. Tell yeah, us where. Exactly. At uh, Spruce Creek Flying, the uh-huh. world's largest private airport, yeah. with 650 airplanes based there. I personally don't know of another airport anywhere that has more airplanes located there. Yeah. Boy, they go everywhere from ultralights to biz jets and everything in between. We had a chance to uh, in an elbow with one of your neighbors uh, here on the porch last night, Rick Weiss. Ah, Rick Weiss. Oh, yeah. He's one of my neighbors. And, and, so that's and, fun. And, and his buddy Bruce. And uh, uh, always a... Big kick to see him because we go back not as far as you and I go back. But, uh, we won't talk about how long that is. Show how old we are. For, then. For, for years, I would bump into Rick, and my first question would be, "So, how's the Kit Fox coming?" Well, it's almost done. It's almost <laughs> done. It's been flying for a while now, and he seems to be enjoying that great deal. And that is a great, great community. This is uh, the Jeb's at Hidden River, and the. The difference between the two could not be more dramatic in the way they're laid out and uh, the amenities. But uh, it's just such a pleasant way to live. Well, you know, I always wanted to, the whole idea of living with your airplane is just a cool concept. And, uh, uh, you know, there are a variety of ways to do it, as you just mentioned. But uh, we're really enjoying being there. We had some good friends that have condos on the beach. So. Uh, it's fun to be able to go visit them right close by, 10 minutes over to the beach and stuff like that. Now but, you just need an airplane. There. Yeah, that's right. Need more airplanes, so <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks for taking a few minutes to join us. We appreciate that. I and, appreciate uh, being up here with you. You guys uh, do a great job, and uh, we love to hear all the stuff that you do. It really covers the range. So thanks a lot for your Thank time. You Same much. to you, DJ. Yeah, appreciate we'll, it. We'll see you around. Thanks, thanks, later. thanks so much. Bye-bye. We'll see you yeah. later. So we got about... Uh, Ten minutes left here uh, before we run off. We really do have an allotted time here. Uh, this yeah, this time, this and, time uh, yeah. Um, I, I have a quick question for us. Is Luca still here? I think, I think Luca is here. Could you ask Luca to come out and say hi? Um, so while we're waiting for Luca, 
Um, let's see what's else on my list here. Um, seaplane base. You know, I, I, every few years I try and visit the seaplane base at the other air show up the, up, the, uh, up the road, but I've never visited the seaplane base here. Have you guys made it over to the... Uh... I have not done that this year. I managed to uh, get over pretty regularly when the splash was still at Lake Parker. Uh, they moved it over to Fantasy of Flight a couple of years ago. They run shuttles. Uh, but this unfortunate habit of having to make a living while I'm down here, uh, it kind of cut into the opportunities again this year. So I've been to Fantasy of Flight, though, and it's a great place for them to be holding the splash if you're ever in a neighborhood. And you're at all into airplanes and aviation history and, and, and gee whiz stuff. That's a great place to go spend an afternoon. Yeah. Joining us now on the deck is a, 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 a longtime listener of the podcast. He's been very active in the forums. We've had a, a, a great time uh, interacting with him there. Uh, he's provided us with a lot of really interesting information and perspective. Um, and on the forums, you go by Luca Berta. That is, is that? correct. Um, and uh, you are from Italy. Welcome, uh-huh. Luca. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks yeah. very much for having me here. It's a pleasure of being also part of the podcast. That was, uh, uh, you know, I was in and just was called out to be on the mic <laughs> like five seconds ago. So no pressure. No, no, pressure. Yeah, no, no yeah. pressure at all. Yeah. But um, I'm sure I'm going to do okay. Uh, one of the mo- more prolific uh, posters on our forums at uncontrolledairspace.com, <laughs> yeah. and and we're we're very appreciative of that. And and more importantly, not just the the the, the quantity, but the quality. Oh, of, of the posts yeah. you put up, and it, it's very much recognized and appreciated. So, thank well, you. And, and and the perspective that you bring, yeah. being yeah. Uh, active in GA in Europe and here in the United States, you you, you bring a perspective that uh, we, we we xenophobes may lack from time yeah. to time. Yeah. I, I do have a luxury, though. I have to say, uh, I am trained commercial instruments multi-engine here in the U.S. Actually, here in Florida, uh-huh. uh, so I know very well the basis of flying in the U.S., and at the same time, I did my private pilot license in Italy uh-huh. back in the 90s, okay. so I had kind of best of both worlds, mm-hmm. so, you know, whenever it's possible, like in this case for Sun and Fun, I come here and also get some flying done, not just at the fly-in and at the event here. Yeah, you were over splashing around yesterday, weren't you? I actually went to Jack Brown's in Winter Haven and ended up renting a Cub and went around and did some splashing in the lakes nearby Winter Haven, and... Point nine of seaplane. Two years ago, I did my rating there, Jack Browns, and I still know how to fly a seaplane. I didn't kill myself. <laughs> End up in the water. Alligators were unhappy with that, but hey. Yeah. Now you were telling me the other day. Uh, and I, I hope this isn't too personal, but you, in younger days, had were aiming at a career in aviation. That is true. Yes. And and tell us a little bit about that story, if you would. Um, what happened back in '93 when I did my commercial? 25 years old, very motivated to become an airline pilot. Uh, I was fairly close to it, but unfortunately, at age 27, turned out I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Mm-hmm. Type 1 diabetes is the younger, the juvenile diabetes, where you must take insulin in order to balance the fact that some islets have been killed by your immune system. It's an autoimmune disease. That turns into not being able to fly any longer, period. ICAO rules, international rules, says that you cannot fly if you are a type 1 diabetic. Though, thanks to the FAA, and that would be, you know, sounding funny to you guys that I'm thanking <laughs> the feds, but the Americans, probably through the lobbying of the American Diabetes Association, I understand, passed a rule whereby you can get a third-class medical waiver if you have diabetes and you are a controlled diabetic, meaning that I do blood checks every three months, I keep myself very well controlled on diet, before going to fly, you have to check your blood sugar, even during flying and before landing. So you've got a 
follow certain specific rules, which are, I have to say, very uh, reasonable. Mm-hmm. Nothing really strange yeah. and nothing that I wouldn't be doing. In fact, I use that same protocol when I fly microlights back home. Yeah. Now, I was, I was interested to discover that you are able to, uh, uh, to maintain your uh, U.S. medical from Italy. That is correct. Even with the waiver, you're able to do the whole process over there. The U.S. don't really care whether you're doing your check with your AME in the U.S. or abroad. In fact, there's a large number of AMEs located everywhere in the world. You go online on the FAA website, and you can look up a specific country, and it'll tell you the names of those AMEs and the phone number. turns out that my AME is also an endocrinologist, so she knows very well what diabetes means. And I went to her in Rome. And we did together the paperwork to submit to Oklahoma City. That was four years ago. And the very first time we tried the paperwork, it went through. So it's been going on for four years now, but I am a fully third-class special medical uh, certification for diabetes certified by the FAA. I'm trying to figure out what the Italian word for endocrinologist is. <laughs> it's very similar. <laughs> we are starting to run out of... Did you have a question? No, uh, no. We are starting to run out of our... T- oh, people are starting to fly. That's a good sign. Huh? Yeah. We got a... Uh, Cessna 185. Thank you. 185. <laughs> Tail dragger. Uh, climbing out here on runway 9. Uh, um, you weren't supposed to be here today, Luca. You were going home. What's the story? Are you gonna? Are they gonna oh, let boy. you go home? There's a volcano. Yeah. Oh yes. Uh, looks like we don't really know yet what's gonna happen. The situation for for the listener is uh, there is a volcanic uh, cloud. Yeah. Basically, you know, very fine ha- uh, ash. And uh, large parts of Europe here. are grounded. Mm-hmm. Now. Correct. So from Iceland down towards the southeast, this whole huge cloud has now basically shut down airspaces from Norway all down south towards North Italy. Right now, at this moment, all of the flight information regions, the airspace above North Italy are shut down, and thus all of the airports and even VFR flight are not allowed. There are no thumbs out that basically shut down all of the activities. Are they moving in and out of Heathrow yet? Oh, Heathrow's completely shut down for the last three days. So that's not back no, and I don't want to be there. The fact is, I'd yeah. rather be stuck in Florida, even if it's raining like <laughs> right now, instead of being stuck at JFK, finding, you know, waiting for a plane to go back yeah. home. Boy, do we grok that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I'm hoping we're going to have a chance to talk with you more in the future, Luca, but I wanted to just say quickly hi to you this morning while you were still here. I was pleased to see you're, you were still in town. And uh, thank you very much. Thanks for all your con- contribution to the forums. It, it's my pleasure. I have to say, there's so much... Uh, good material that comes out of the podcast and good information that, you know, makes my brain spin. And, you know, you go online. There's a lot of information online these days. People should just, you know, Google more often probably and find a lot of information. That's what I do most of the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, find nice pictures that, you know, detail things. And lucky to have enough time to do that. So that's thanks thanks to you guys for, you know, doing this. I think that all of the listeners are very appreciative of the fact that, it's a you know virtual hangar for you guys, but it's a much larger virtual hangar for all of us that weekly you know just get a their fix of information. Yeah. That's as simple as that. Well, That's thank great. You, thank you very Luca, much. Thanks, thanks so thanks much. much, guys. Appreciate it. So we are reaching the end of our allotted time here. Uh, some thank yous I want to do here. Um, 
First of all, uh, to, to Luca and Tony and uh, Navion Pilot and all of the listeners who stopped by to uh, say hello to us throughout the week, uh, we want to thank them for doing that. We encourage, we love it when, when listeners say hi to us. And so uh, hi back to them, and thank you for listening, and thank you for visiting with us here in Lakeland this week. Um, it, it goes without saying, uh, I can't say it enough. Um, I'm going to say it again. Thanks to Dave Shalbetter and to the entire staff of Sun and Fun Radio for uh, their being wonderful hosts and for them helping us with uh, with all the technology and with getting on, on, on the air and whatnot. And, and waffles. And the waffles, and waffles continue to be legendary. Yes, that's right. This lovely young lady that's been keeping our sound going out and, and, and Jim and all the folks that do the engineering work, uh-huh. the folks at the media center that give us a place to work and help us with our logistics uh, and get questions answered when we've got the, the uh, volunteers that uh, marshal the traffic around, the folks that run the campground. Uh, you can't say enough good about them because right. none of this would be working That's without right. them. Also, uh, uh, thanks to Luca Berta for joining us for a few minutes. Thanks to Hal and Sandy Shevers for joining us earlier in the week. Jamie Beckett, was a pleasure to meet him. I'd met him for the first time this morning. John Burton, of course, thanks for taking a few minutes to, uh, in his busy day here to uh, stop by. Likewise, Dan Johnson uh, for stopping by and talking with us about uh, uh, LSA and his uh, special perspective on aviation. Uh, it's all his fault David is the, uh, that David is a pilot these days because Dan taught him way back when. <laughs> thanks, yes, to, thanks to our own uh, uh, Amy Laboda and James Winbrandt for, uh, t- for visiting with us throughout the week. And, of course, thanks to uh, Dave Higdon and Jeff Burnside. Uh, and I'm Jack Hodgson. David, you were going to say something? If you want to live as long as this old farts go fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. That, that's right. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. TTFM. <laughs>